Welcome to The Math of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. On this, our 49th episode, it's the return of Angela M. Weber of the Double Clicks. And as a special event, this episode will be airing a day early in order to coincide with the release of their new album, The Double Clicks Love Problems. Of course, if you, like me, were a Kickstarter backer, you got the album a couple of days ago. But today is its release to the greater public. And as a special treat, Angela and I will go through track by track on the album and talk about the inspiration behind all the songs. Along the way, we'll discuss the impact of inertia on breakups, the bullshit gendering of baby clothes, and how sometimes there's no excuse, you've just gotta call Jonathan Colton. We'll finish the show with our signature cocktail and let you know how you can become a guest on The Math of You. We join this conversation already in progress. There are songs I'll never listen to again But you can't take all the things that make me the way I've always been You can't take Lord of the Rings And you won't win this game, Jim and James It's weird cause I am proud and strong and awesome But I let you lay the ways that I say All right, Angela, for those who may not know you, why don't you say who you are and what makes you a beautiful and unique snowflake? Hello, I'm Angela M. Weber. I am in a band called The Double Clicks. We make heartfelt, occasionally geeky, occasionally funny music for the internet. And I'm also a general writer, podcaster, creator, person, like everyone. And if you want to know a little more about Angela, you can head back to episode 24, where we talked about They Might Be Giants and American Girl Dolls and being in a Mockingbird comic and all sorts of things. Speaking of which, I did get a joke about American Girl Dolls in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I'm so glad. That I would not have gotten otherwise, thanks to you. I'm so happy. I don't know what the joke was, and I would ask you, but I I don't want to put you on the spot. No, no, I remember. It's very specific to your American Girl Doll. Oh, yeah? She's at a party, and someone says something to the effect of, oh, do you like Molly? And oh, right. she goes, yes, she was my favorite American Girl doll. Thank you for asking. And just keeps going. Classic. I love it. Molly's great. And it was one of those things where it's like, sure, it's still a funny joke, but I know. <laughs> Molly had an Argyle sweater, and had glasses, and braids, and it's just like, yep. I knew all the details. Recently, Mara Wilson, Twitter personality writer, tweeted out something like, it's just true that all people who had Molly as their American Girl doll are all like queer or funny women. And everybody was like, Ugh, excuse me, stop reading my mind. This is super rude. <laughs> it was really funny. It made me feel a unity with people on the internet. And here's the thing. Since the last time we spoke, the last time we spoke, your Kickstarter was still ongoing. And actually, no, it had yes. just finished. It had just finished, I think, like days before. And of course, was successful, wildly successful, as such things involving the double clicks are because you're great and charmed and all that other good stuff. Very true. But now the album's about to come out. It's true. It comes out August 15th to the world, August 11th to anybody who backed the Kickstarter. And it's great. And we already sent out our Kickstarter mailing packages. People are getting them. It's exciting. It's exciting stuff. It's finally done. There were pictures sent out through your Kickstarter where you could see a car like packed with boxes full of mail and yeah. all kinds of stuff, which must have been exhausting. It was a lot. There were like over a thousand packages. And I just don't remember this from the past. I guess in the past, we've always done it in waves. And this year, we wanted to pack them all at once so that we could send the international packages first so they would arrive first. And then like the big packages so everybody kind of got stuff at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so we kept it all and it took up an entire room in Aubrey's house. (laughs) It's just so many things. But I'm really happy about it. It's fun to see a physical manifestation of people who are interested in your music. And thank you for thinking of us international listeners first. Many a time with things, our packages get like tied to a turtle and like shoved off a boat. Yeah. And just eventually it'll make its way here like battered and half burned and no one knows why. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it'll still be a little bit late because you think that you can plan far enough ahead. But I feel like that would be frustrating for me if I got it after everybody else. So we try. I'm used to it. I mean, I have my mom who used to send me Christmas packages in November 
that would arrive in July. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole time, it's, is the package there yet? Is the packet there yet? And I would be like, Mom, if you paid for tracking, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> yeah, that is the fun part. I get to track all the packages. My mom, when I studied abroad in the Czech Republic for a semester, and my mom sent me care packages. And the first one she sent me was just like the kind of care package she was sent to me normally at school mm-hmm. and didn't really process that like you can't send food to a <laughs> different country. They're going to be real pissed, especially like a former communist country where the bureaucracy is super strong and they don't speak English. And so it's like this weird conversation conversation of like yeah i know she sent me literally seeds and beans and <laughs> i i don't know i don't need it. it she just wanted to love me i'm sorry <laughs> seeds and beans also uh, i live in australia and australia has very strict quarantine laws there's even a, oh, yeah. a tv show where it's all about border security and not in the terms of people trying to sneak across or anything just like the ridiculous crap that people bring in like hi this is fermented meat it's just in paper <laughs> and the guy's like you can't bring this in here you really was can't. it this is a reality show yes and that sounds great it's actually a rare one in that it's not it's, well it's only tangentially racist let's put it that way mm. and it's it's basically more a matter of just like just finding crap in people's bags and they're like oh no it's a souvenir and they're like there are bugs living in it there's no way yeah and they're like what's the big deal like remember cane toads that thing that they brought in to control a potato bug that are now like an epidemic in queensland we don't want none we don't want none of oh that my gosh. <laughs> we just moved from portland to california and there are a lot of laws coming into california that like if you have a certain items like camping and items and bikes and stuff you have to like sign a thing that's saying that you've checked them for gypsy moths oh um, okay i thought you were gonna go with like soil or something because it's always a big one on the customs forms it's like do you have soil on your boots oh how much soil are you carrying yeah do you have soil on you it's like um let me check uh no <laughs> I don't think so. So what's with the gypsy moths? Well, they just take over trees. Do you know gypsy moths? They take over and kill trees. Uh, I know there was one in A Bug's Life. I know that. Yes. It's from A Bug's Life. So, (laughs) but we put all of our stuff in a pod, which is like between a storage unit and a moving truck. And we had to just like sign the thing. Hopefully it'll cross the border. Hopefully they don't decide to search it. Because if they search it, I guess we're kind of screwed because we won't even be there. I don't know. I'm a little stressed about that right now. No, rightfully so. Moving interstate sucks. Yeah, but it's not like flying a bunch of dirt to australia which i also <laughs> love doing my favorite question around that is do you have any bees or beekeeping equipment on you <laughs> and i'm gonna steal a joke from bill bailey and that you should just respond by puffing out your cheeks and holding your mouth shut and shaking your head frantically like mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb i love it i didn't realize you studied abroad in the czech republic how was that it was great i'm very proud of that period of my life because i spent a summer preparing to go and like read all of this literature and all these books and wrote myself like i'd go to the bookstore every day and like read all these travel guides i couldn't afford and then make notes in a little journal that i brought and had maps and it was one of the most independent things that i've done and it was a very easy school like for the semester called anglo-american university it just had students from all over the world mostly like europe and the u.s and we learned about like art history and a little bit of czech and i took a bunch of classes about press freedom and media and democracy and journalism and stuff that weren't offered at my home university and traveled around europe a little bit it was great i imagine stuff around press freedom would be exceptionally like very sort of potent and to the point in a former Soviet Republic. Absolutely. Especially, so the Czech Republic was former Czechoslovakia. It was kind of on the border, right, between like free West Germany and the Soviet Union. So there were a lot of ways that people tried to sneak news into Prague, like wrapping it around or inside soap boxes <laughs> and like distributing stuff via like dropping it from the sky and stuff like that. It was a really interesting history of that and they don't take that kind of thing for granted. People who haven't always had a free press, which is becoming increasingly frustrating in the US right now <laughs> about how we have taken our free press for granted and now it, it is going away a little bit. Anyway, it was fascinating stuff. They also have in a lot of former Soviet countries giant radio towers that existed to block transmissions from the West. And there was one that they built in Prague that they didn't actually finish until after like 1989. <laughs> but it's super huge and weird. And it looks like like the Space Needle or whatever, but it also has really surreal art of 
babies climbing up and down it, like faceless babies that are huge statues. I'm sure it has some sort of weird interpretive meaning, but is incredibly strange. I love that country. It's so weird. I just went to Google and searched Prague Radio Tower Babies. And if this gets me mm-hmm. on a watch list, Angela Weber, I'm going to be very yeah, upset I'm, with I'm you. Yeah, I'm just saying. Did you? Are you looking at the picture? Because it's amazing. Okay, I've got the tower. Oh, yeah, there's a tower, and someone's helpfully put a legend at the top and a giant arrow that says, giant babies. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, but they look kind of like ants, and they don't have faces. Their faces are kind of like empty vents. It's troubling and strange. Yeah. And weird. Mm -hmm. There you go. There's the photo I'm looking at. You can see how incredibly subtle the legend is. Yeah, giant babies (laughs) pointing just generally in the direction. I definitely recommend looking it up, everybody. Did you end up speaking some Czech or just enough to get by? A little bit. The only words I remember now are toje komplikase, which means it's complicated, which is one of my favorite <laughs> things to say. And nazdravi is cheers, which I enjoy collecting superstitions around drinking and like cheersing. And I taught nazdravi to my parents and my mom says a very butchered version of that now when she cheers it. She has like no idea what the words are, but it's like, Mosavi. It's like, okay, mom, that's fine. It's a fun family tradition. Okay, maybe it's just because it's this podcast, but you can't just say I collect superstitions about drinking and then and have me let that go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I so I grew up religious and like a Christian and Baptist and Methodist and stuff. The stuff that I like about that is traditions like I really don't like a lot of things about it but and then when I visited Germany for a while and went to Prague and then right when I started drinking because I was 18 and in Germany okay just gonna say 18 in Germany is a great place to start drinking it is except I don't really like alcohol so I didn't even like go all out really but there's a lot of things about especially where we were in Bavaria the people we were around had extremely strong opinions about you have to make eye contact you have to cheers at the beginning of every drink and you have to hit your cup on the table before you take a sip which to me is like you're not drinking alone everyone is monitoring your alcohol intake basically because Mm -hmm. you have to announce that you have a new drink and you're like going a little bit slower than just from cheers to your mouth i don't know what the actual reasons for the superstitions were or anything but i love that i just love just a tiny tradition that you can live in your life every day (laughs) yeah totally now I'm trying to think. It's like I'm trying to think whether there would be some kind of significance to the little hats on the steins, but I know those are for keeping the flies out. Although I like to yeah. think that they're so that you can direct the singing without spilling your beer. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of things that end up being like rules in the Bible or whatever that turn into just like this superstition type of material but really had a very practical reason and i think that's the parallel that i see with this like there are like certain kinds of foods that you aren't supposed to eat right that are laws that a lot of that is like because they weren't safe to eat like that kind of stuff so to me it's interesting to both see their like practical reasons that traditions and superstitions and i guess religious rules begin but also it's also kind of fun just to do stuff because it's fun to entertain your life gamify your life with religion yeah totally i mean things like don't walk under a ladder to anyone who's worked in theater it's not because it's bad luck it's because someone's going to drop a sandbag or a paint can on you yeah black cats are bad luck because most of them are people in disguise that's what you learn from harry potter yeah they're gonna steal your souls deal with it it's just gonna happen so watch out it was the weirdest thing my dad would actually not let our cat in the room with us when we were babies oh wow and it was one of those things where it's like he's not a superstitious guy but if you ever asked him about it he's just like no no because i was told that cats steal souls which then translates to that cats will attempt to cuddle a baby and sit on its chest yeah and will smother it and he's like i know it's the cat is not stealing your soul i'm still not gonna do it yeah well it's yeah it's not always safe cats don't act logically and also, they love souls. <laughs> my cats are terrified of my baby. Oh, yeah? Because, yeah, it's like they're mostly cool with him. They mostly treat him like, you know, kind of like a flatmate. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, yeah. Hey, Hero. Hey, Olive. How's it going? And then every once in a while, they'll like sneak up and like try and sniff him because he'll smell interesting. But yeah. because he's a baby, he's often waving his arms around. Oh, sure. And he walloped one cat directly in the nose. And I got mm-hmm. to watch that cat back up in a hurry. And watching a cat back up in a hurry is always a funny thing. Yeah. Because they do that scramble. Uh, it's like when you put a sweater on a cat and the cat thinks that it's in a very tight tunnel and tries like, to back I'm out going of up, it. I'm going back. I'm going back. I don't, I don't know where it's I'm going. It's not working. It's not working. <laughs> Whereas the dog just follows the kid everywhere because the kid is a, mm-hmm. like an interesting bouquet of smells that he has not smelled before. 
And so anywhere in the house, you could say, hey, where's your baby, June? And he would, like, run pell-mell to find the baby. Aww. pretty great. That's nice. Dogs are so friendly. <laughs> and cats love souls. Yep, and that is known. It is known. So initially, when you wanted to come on, you wanted to talk about your new album. Yeah, so- we have a new album everybody. It is called Love Problems. It is. I'm proud of that because on the front of the album it now says the double clicks Love Problems. <laughs> I've talked about this a lot, but to me that's very funny because it's true. I do love problems. The heart of all story is conflict. It does make it sound like you're some kind of global frequency thing where it's just like, oh no, we have a problem. Go to the red phone, call the double clicks. They love problems. <laughs> yeah. There's also a lot of like math and physics stuff on the album. So it's sort of like word problems and that kind of stuff is other connotations of the title. I'm happy with it. Yeah. It's very spacey too. All right. So let's start going through. I mean, yeah, we've got Lord of the Rings. Yes. It's a great song about uh, being triggered to remember terrible things that have happened in your life. (laughs) This whole thing is not going to be very fun. I'm happy to go through it track by track. But Lord of the Rings is a song that was inspired. I read a friend's Tumblr post about sort of past bad relationship abuse kind of things and how when you can trigger warning a tweet or something like, I'm going to talk about this serious issue. If this thing has happened to you, you might be triggered. But there's also the kind of trigger that's just like this song or this movie or this particular smell or type of food is going to even more strongly bring back a memory for you even more than perhaps just the discussion in general of the topic so that's what that song is about and about sort of being able to reclaim the things that remind you of bad stuff that's happened to you which is a topic that I discussed in therapy a lot it basically came down to I was like I don't want to every time I drive down the street think of this person and this bad event and she was like well here's the deal it will get better but We can't just fix it, you know? A lot of things that will help it include, like, talking about it and taking the power of an event out of your mind and into the reality of the world, onto paper or into a song and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's Lord of the Rings. Former guest of the show, Aiden Sullivan, talked about that in relation to a lot of the music from, like, her teenage years and stuff like The Hold Steady. And she phrased it really well, which is that current me doesn't deserve what past me has left me and this song is still good and so yeah like you said taking that back yeah her method involved like she said you know kind of going into a room and allowing herself to feel the thing that she's been dreading feeling and kind of letting it pass through her and letting it go yeah and then at the end of it she can listen to the hold steady again because that's a really good band and album yeah yeah that's great and it's a terrible analogy but i mean like I can, like, talking about memories based off songs, I mean, I can hear a song and think that I heard it, you know, God, it's it's terrible because it's a Bloodhound Gang song, but it's, yeah. it's, like, I remember, like, hearing it in, like, a store or something and go rocketing yeah. back to, okay, I was in grade seven and I was, she knows scratch that, it was grade nine, and I was sitting in a basement in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and I was playing GoldenEye on N64 because my friend Jason <laughs> had brought it over and plugged it into my TV, but there was nowhere to put it, so it was on the floor, and we had, like, pulled the mattress down off my bed to sit on the floor, and we were playing the snow level, and that song was playing, and I'm like, everything about that room, I have that perfect memory of that thing, and the idea and things, I have some songs like this that are associated with not great stuff in my past, but yeah, I can say that had they the clarity of that moment of playing GoldenEye with my friend Jason, mm-hmm. I think that would be extremely difficult to overcome and the analogy i use is have you read the dresden files books i've read a little bit yeah there's a thing in one of the sort of middle to later books where he's got his wizard sight that he can open and look at something and see what it is and he Mm -hmm. makes the mistake of glancing back at something chasing him and sees a a terrible monster thing that like Mm -hmm. the impact of it is enough to actually knock him out oh wow and because he has to fight this monster later he's like look i just have to i have to get through it so he basically locks himself in a dark room and forces himself to remember that thing every time until he's over Mm -hmm. it like immersion therapy yeah i remember reading that and going like huh there's something to that i think yeah you know yeah it's good to process stuff Mm. it's hard it's really really hard but it's good to once you're through it it does feel better i think yeah and that's a much better answer than what i expected which was this is a song about a lord who has some rings this dude he's got like well you see there's one one ring ring that rules them all It's a big one. to find them. It's pretty important. But there's also, you know, there were rings for the kings of men. There were rings for the elves. It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's this little known text. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Yeah, that's part of it is I just, I love Lord of the Rings so much. And specifically the movies. And not letting bad memories take away the things that I love is what that song is about. 
Aragorn is mine, no matter what happens. <laughs> Excellent. Now, the next song is one that I am intimately familiar with because yes! you played it in Australia. Now, was that, you, I can't remember if you said it was the first time or it was one of the first times. It was one of the very first times. Yeah, it was on tour. We had just written it, Kilogram. And I remember very distinctly writing out the lyrics because we didn't have a printer because we were on tour in Australia writing out the lyrics and the chords on a piece of paper at the house concert where we were playing there in Australia before the show. And then we kept using that as our lyric sheet Mm -hmm. until very recently. So I think of that house concert every time I think of this song. There you go. Memories. It's all coming together. (laughs) I like that song a lot. So for those who aren't me, (laughs) what's the song about? Yes. Kilogram is about a news story that my friend sent me. We get a lot of people like saying, you should write a song about this thing or this thing. And I really, really hate that. But this was a friend of mine who was just like isn't this a sad story i'm drunk i i'm not gonna tell you to write a song about it but i really wanted to send it to you because it sounded like a double click song i'm sorry so many facebook links that i receive should be titled this is a sad story i'm drunk (laughs) and what it's about is the kilogram standard the sort of the standard for how we measure mass has been a piece of tungsten and other metals that's in a vault outside the city of Paris, France, and has been the standard for what a kilogram is for 130 years or so. And it's the only sort of measured thing that still had like a physical thing you measure it against, which is cool. Like we measure distance and stuff. We have like mathematically derivable ways to measure that. And science, because this little piece of metal is losing mass now because it's so old and because just it's a good idea are trying to replace it with and i think have since we wrote the song come up with a way to derive mass using things like the atomic weight of silicon and planck's constant to come up with like what is mass and how to do that without needing a physical thing to compare it to which is awesome for science but really sad for the piece of metal that has done nothing wrong (laughs) The time that Lisa, my friend, uh, sent me this article, I was going through a situation where I was in love with a person who did not like me back the same way and had a lot of practical excuses for not wanting to be in the same kind of relationship I wanted to be in. And it was like, okay, that makes sense. But also, (laughs) I didn't do anything wrong, which is what this song is about. (laughs) That's really sweet. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, are you losing mass, Angela? (laughs) I wish. (laughs) (laughs) fuzzy particles the version that you heard live is a slightly different version than the one that's on the album so we worked with an artist named danielle ate the sandwich who helped us okay okay i'm sorry danielle ate the sandwich is an excellent name yes (laughs) she's wonderful and she should be on your podcast we'll talk about that later we totally will she is an incredible singer songwriter and youtuber and we had the pleasure of playing with her and doing a few shows in real life and on the internet with her over the past few years and her new album is just so good so we, we emailed her and we're like so danielle we play these two instruments and we can do certain things pretty well we want to produce our next album ourselves but also we really love what you have going on can you come in and help us add like cool vocal parts and teach us more things about how to do ukulele in interesting ways and so she came in and really turned kilogram into the song that we wanted it to be but I didn't know how to write so it's the same words but it's got a very different feel right now and I'm super into it (laughs) Um, and that's all Danielle ate the sandwiches influence and wisdom that made that song a cool new thing excellent and I look forward to listening to the new version when I get my special email on the 11th yay (laughs) I hope everybody likes the album I'm really proud of it I'm really happy with how it came out it was it was hard now the next one is sensitive badass and I actually got to use this one as part of your previous episode, as your introduction. And I got to say, you yourself are a writer of excellent earworms. You write some of the stickiest songs that I know. And that song stuck in my head for at least a week. Oh, wow. Well, it's really long, at least. To the point, like just little bits of it. And maybe it's the cadence or the melody or whatever you've got going with the vocals. (laughs) And I'm just like, I would be doing other things. And I realized the bit that I was saying over and over and over again until I tweeted it and got a whole bunch of retweets because it's a really good line is the, if you haven't realized that we are political, you are not listening. So I will start yelling. And it's like, oh, I love it so much. I'm so glad. Thank you. We probably talked about it on the last podcast. I don't know. I'm really happy with this song. This song I wrote right after the election. We got a bunch of crap for being openly anti-Trump, which is so 
surprising. I really had disappointed myself by not being more outspoken, I guess. And also was just extremely affected by people saying things to me that I perceive as negative. Like I will internalize any comment that we get, even if it's not negative, even if it's just a little bit negative, but I try so hard to make myself seem and just tell myself that I'm a badass with a thick skin and a boss and all of this stuff. And that's basically what that song (laughs) is about. It has resonated with a lot of people. I'm super proud of that. We had on the Kickstarter, a lot of people got an option to get one of two pens. That was one of them. And a lot of people got a little enamel pen that says sensitive badass on it. It's like a rose with thorns and it's a super cute pen. I'm just really happy to let people embrace the fact that you can have your feelings hurt and it doesn't make you a weak person. And that's the pin I ordered. So Good. Because you're a sensitive badass. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to skip one. I'm going to go to Women No Math. Okay. Because we talked about it a little bit on the last show and a little bit with Aubrey. But what I'm referring to as the Women No Math Project has become such a big thing. Yeah. And so if you'd like to talk a little bit about that, about the video and how it came about. Oh, sure. Yeah. Women No Math is a song about how I feel about gender, which is complicated. I always have in my head that I'm doing gender wrong if I don't perform femininity in a specific way. And I wanted to write a song for myself that was like, no, it's fine. You are still a woman if that's how you want to identify, even if you don't do specific woman things, right? That's what that song is about. And then I really wanted the voices in it to be outside of my own because I have a specific experience, obviously, as we all do. And so we put a word out to the internet that we wanted 50 women and non-binary artists to illustrate each of the lyrics, each of the lines in the song and we got a whole bunch of amazing artists on board. That was another part of it that was really important to me was to have diversity in the people that were submitting and becoming part of the project. And the super intuitive thing that a lot of people forget is that a great way to get diversity and get people involved in your project that aren't just your friends is to pay them, (laughs) is to like actually hire people. And then they become your friends and they become like the people that you collaborate with in general. So that was part of that project as well. And then the video turned out amazing. It makes me cry. Just all of the people who are interpreting the lines differently than how I wrote them, but still in a way that is personal to them and sends this message. I'm really happy about it. It's I think womennomath.com is still working. I'm gonna check. You can go both watch the video there and then see information about all of the artists and hire them to make stuff for you. Womennomath.com is active. Yes, it is. I think there are not enough women artists being hired to do things. A lot of the communities I follow on the internet have basically used the same five male artists to do everything for the past... 40 years, (laughs) which is fine. Like, I understand. Hire your friends, hire the people you've worked with before, but I think we would have better representation of even just to the point of body types, which is the most frustrating thing to me if we were hiring more diverse group of people who understand the importance of that kind of representation on a personal level. So yeah, that's my soapbox about women no math. (laughs) (laughs) And it was something, I think I said it to Aubrey at the time, but looking at that video, like turning it on and hearing, oh, you know, you crowdsourced out to 50 different artists to do this, and that's cool. I almost expected something a little bit like Love You Like a Burrito, which was just something where it's like, oh, that's nice. You can see how that works. Yeah. It's kind of like has a good message. But this is different. Everyone go and watch this. <laughs> this is, I hesitate to use this. This song is important. Thank you. Everyone. <laughs> I appreciate it. I was stunned at just the quality of the art and the meaningful level of the art. And there are people like, including our mom submitted something, but also artists we just never even communicated with before who just make amazing and beautiful stuff i'm really really happy with it now i just want you to midway through your show call mama double click the way that they call mama they might be giants yay hey mama (laughs) double click yeah she identifies herself as mama click she's very very proud so mama click is even better yeah portmanteaus for the win yeah portmanteaus (laughs) run in our family there was a time when I was limited by my friends that I was only allowed to do one a day. And if it was a particularly egregious one, they would stop me and point to me and they would go, that's your one. That's what you get. My friend Joseph Scrimshaw, who is my writing partner on a lot of stuff. Oh, yes. Who should also be on your podcast. He yeah. hates portmanteaus and will be on tour. He hates joy. He hates love. I, I don't know. I remember very distinctly being on a week and a half long tour with him. And then eventually him just like breaking down the middle of a conversation and being like, things can be two words. Things can be two words. It's like, I don't know, Joseph. It seems like things are better when they're one word. (laughs) He's one of my favorite people. Oh my God. We are writing the President Snakes musical together, which was Mm -hmm. a stretch goal for the Kickstarter. And he has finished the book for it. And I'm still working on some of the songs, but it's incredibly great. And I'm so proud of that project. And I know that 
we haven't even released the album yet, but I'm always looking forward to new things, and I'm really, <laughs> really jazzed about that one. But yes, please tell Joseph to be on the show. Okay. I have been listening to his Obsessed podcast for a long time, ever since he had Hal Lublin on to talk about wrestling. Oh, wonderful. So. I'm going to be on Hal's podcast soon, I think. I'm real excited. I love that guy. Yeah, incredibly lovely. Yeah. Like, I was just like, um, and all right, I'm just going to drop these names down on the table. But when Tr- Thrilling Adventure Hour came to Sydney, uh-huh. I was tweeting about it because I was really excited because Thrilling Adventure Hour was coming to Sydney. Yeah. Come on. We never get things over here. And they saw that I was a photographer, and Danielle from their production company said, Hey, you're a photographer. Do you want to come and shoot the show? <gasps> yes. That's awesome. Did you do it? Uh, yes, I dropped everything. I bought a new lens for it. Like this, is like awesome. It was one of those things where I already had tickets to one of the shows, mm-hmm. which I ended up giving to some friends. But they're like, "Look, come to the first show for free, VIP pass, mm-hmm. and then the next day you can come to the improv panel we're having in the morning, and then you can go to the show in the evening and shoot it." Yeah, I managed to get in and meet everyone, and everyone was the nicest. Oh, they're incredible. And then the next day, I turned up for the improv panel, and I expected to be like the usual thing. Okay, here's where you're going to sit. People come out. This is what you should take pictures of. But instead, they were like, oh, you're early. Do you want to just go and hang with the cast? Oh, yay. Uh, y- y- yes. <laughs> and I got to teach Mark Gagliardi the word for okonomiyaki because he was trying to describe it, this thing he had had a, like a street vendor in the rocks. He's like this Japanese pancake thing. I'm like, okonomiyaki. He's like, you don't get to just lean in and say that. You now have to explain what that is. <laughs> That's great. And yes, I got to talk to Hal a whole bunch, and he's super nice. And I've been getting up the courage to invite him onto this podcast. Oh, he's a sweetheart. And his compatriots at Tights and Fights. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, you'd have a good talk about that. And now we've gotten completely distracted from the topic. <laughs> oh, sorry. But, no, no, no. I appreciate you giving don't, me the opportunity hey, to talk hey, about all hey, these songs. Don't apologize. <laughs> I just, I'm deeply sorry. I'm deeply sorry. Going on a tangent on a podcast? What are we doing? I know, right? It's almost like talking is what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> So keep mindful of the time. I'm going to pick a couple more to talk about. So I'm going to, I can't go past Jonathan Colton's name. Yeah. So why don't you tell me a little bit about Big Bang? Oh my gosh. So Big Bang is a song I wrote. It's a sad song about space and relationships falling apart. And as soon as we wrote it and we realized that it was written like it could be a duet, I was like, well, a sad song about space and relationships falling apart. Obviously, we need to ask Jonathan Colton to be on it. <laughs> in, in that Venn diagram, there's a center bit that's very small and it just says Jonathan Colton. Yeah. It's the kind of song that is not as good as Jonathan Colton song obviously because we're not Jonathan Colton but it definitely to me has feelings that Jonathan Colton songs give me and it's a song about a relationship falling apart when we were on tour last year we got the opportunity to do some tourist stuff which we usually don't get to do just because you usually don't have time we had extra people with us so we went to a natural history museum somewhere and planetarium show about dark matter and the big bang and then kind of basic stuff about why we hypothesize that the big bang happened and how everything is growing apart from each other still constantly stars and space and galaxies and it's all getting bigger just to me like the line like we've grown apart Heart, but since the Big Bang, so has everything came into my head. And that's what that song is about, like about when you don't care about a relationship or you don't tend to it, it can just fall apart on its own. And then also that's what happens in space. <laughs> See, you just said that. And I felt that kind of ring like a chord in me because, yeah, a nurse is a thing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, those articles that you see where people are like, if you are the one adding all the energy to a relationship, you should let that relationship go. Mm-hmm. I kind of take issue with that mm. as, as a former kid who used to do things like, you know, skip going to lunch with my friends a couple of days in, and then come back hoping people would go, oh, where were you? Yeah. No one did <laughs> because I know I was, I was a bit of a shitty kid that way. Yeah. So I'm looking at my current adult relationships, both romantic and platonic and everything else. I accept that relationships take work. Absolutely. You have to be the one to put in that kind of effort. And, you know, thinking about inertia or something drifting off in space and all the bits, the component bits of it slowly getting further apart. You have to be the one, like in The Martian, lashing all those bits together. Yeah. So they stay together. And that can feel like work and oftentimes is work. But it's, you know, it's rewarding. And you come away with a relationship when before you would just have bits of things. Exactly. Exactly. Beautifully put. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love the relationship between like emotional truths and scientific truths. It's it's all the same. It's really interesting to me. I like playing with that stuff too. I mean, I may have used the unfinished triangle in a wedding toast, like the gestalt thing. Oh, sure. Where it's like there's, it's a triangle with a bit missing, mm-hmm. but that you assuming that bit is part of how our brains work. 
Uh-huh. And it's like we, if someone, if like, you know, a dog saw that, it would be a, a squiggly line. Yeah. But because humans are humans and the way they look at things, they look at that and they don't see a squiggly line. They see a triangle with a bit missing. And so there's assumption and hope and optimism and stuff like that. So it's very important to me. That's awesome. I like it. <laughs> Ironically enough, I found it in a book about science tattoos that I found on the shelf <laughs> called Science Inc. I love it. And it's where scientists are asked to explain the, the tattoos they got about science. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of fantastic. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I've pulled it out of parties a few times and saying like, like, sure, like this is a really kind of crappy tattoo of a frog, but look why a frog is so important to this person. Yeah, yeah. Because it involves metamorphosis and they have an egg on their ankle and like a tadpole on their hip and a frog on their shoulder. And I'm like, that's kind of great. That's awesome. I love it. I was going to say, speaking of tattoos and evolving animals and things, complete tangent again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> calling a uh, Matthew branded audible. Uh-huh. Have you seen the stag beetle that draws? Yes, I have. Isn't it kind of great? People keep sending it to me. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like it's directly up here, Angela, of the double clicks. <laughs> yeah, well, it was one of those things that when people try to explain a internet concept to you at a party or something like that, so that happened to me. I think it's great, though. I think that's funny and fun. Especially the uh, it's okay to take a break. You know, art can be hard to do sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, just the beetle picks up the, the marker, walks over, and it falls out, and the beetle's just like, huh, crap. God, <laughs> it's, Things are hard. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have time for one more. And okay. I think I am going to fall directly into the breach when I'm going to ask about wrong about gender. Oh, yeah. And I am going to shut up as a cis dude. So <laughs> please go ahead. Oh, no. Sure. So wrong about gender is actually it's one of the most fun upbeat songs on the album and is not super about you shutting up that's fine it's a song about high school and my high school experiences and i was in a group of friends near the end of high school where i think probably at this point 80 percent of us were closeted queer folks whether they were like bi or pan like me or like gay or all kinds of that kind of stuff we're just weirdos that gravitate to each other even though none of us are out that's just a thing that has happened a lot it particularly manifested at prom night where most of us had a public date and a private date like two different people like this is who I'm with this is who I'm really with and it was you know in the moment just sort of a torturous time and like we were all very upset but in retrospect you can kind of color your memories and find the things that were important to you and the things that led to happiness and honesty and that's kind of what I like to do about that song because I after high school I ran away from all of from my my hometown just like went to college across the country and and didn't really talk to people anymore because of all of just the like complication and lies and bad communication we had all had but in retrospect like I really love those people and I'm glad for all the experiences we had but also I think we were all really dumb (laughs) and that's another part of what the song is about I think like kids have the opportunity to be more open-minded about a lot of things because they don't have the world telling them that being trans is wrong or being gay is wrong necessarily they don't have all those years of like incorrect societal expectations but they also don't have the years of understanding of you need to be sensitive and there's a trend among folks who like perhaps you realize something about yourself but you aren't able to project onto other people that you meet that like like my parents don't understand me I'm a lesbian they're mean to me and that's horrible but as soon as you meet like a trans person you're like well I don't get you I'm gonna bully you because I have been bullied and I think that that is a thing that happens a lot and it's important to remember to accept that you can be wrong sometimes and that doesn't mean you're a bad person and you don't have to necessarily be defensive about it you can just open up say I'm wrong accept the penalties of being wrong and learn and move forward which is a whole lot of things but that's basically what that song is about about acknowledging like I've been real stupid in the past I'm thankful for the people who were patient with me and taught me things and I'm hopeful for other people as well to acknowledge their own biases and their own triggers and defensiveness and to open their hearts to love other people too yep kindness first kindness first and 
sorry, I got really quiet there because I got a little bit emotional. Oh. That was really nice. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I haven't talked about that song that much, so I'm sorry if that was a little rambly, but... Oh, it's... don't even... Hey, hey, no apologizing. <laughs> I will work on a more succinct explanation probably, but I'm proud of that song. It has lines that I'm really proud of. We're struggling for this album. There are a lot of swears on it. We're trying to figure <laughs> out what things deserve an explicit tag and which don't because it's not... There aren't like specific rules about that. Like that song includes the line gay as hell and has a lot of references to like veiled references to sexual acts and stuff. It's like, is this an explicit song? I don't know. I think we erred on the side for a lot of these of just going for the tag because I don't think it's going to really scare people away, but we'd rather warn folks because there are like literal toddlers that listen to our music. <laughs> I'd rather warn than be yelled at afterwards that we didn't warn people. Yeah, I tend to go that way with the explicit tag as well. Yeah. I mean, I do swear a fair bit on this podcast, as do other people, but yeah. there are some where I go to like to upload it and I'm like, do you want to mark this as explicit? And I went, I have no idea what we've said <laughs> on this podcast, whether I've dropped an F-bomb in the middle of this. I don't know. I'm just going to err on the side of caution and go, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I do that on my podcast too. It's like, probably I said fuck. I don't know, but probably. <laughs> it seems likely. But yeah, we, we also put the two songs with the most F-bombs at the end of the album, just for convenience for parents if they want to stop after track eight. That's it's an option. Hopefully the kids have fallen asleep by that point. Yeah. It's after the watershed. <laughs> we had one of our first songs, This Fantasy World, our Dungeons & Dragons song, is completely clean, well, pretty much clean, until like the last 20 words or so, or 10 words of the song. And so we had parents tell us that like, we listened to like all but the last 10 seconds of the song, and the kids just don't know how it ends. It's like, that's <laughs> pretty delightful. And they'd send us recordings of their kids singing the song. It's like, wow, this is an explicit song. It's like, no, we stop before you say fuck five times in a row. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a smart way to do it. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> it's like I was listening to one of the many Hamilton podcasts I've listened to. Yeah. And it's like where the guy's, guy's like, yeah, according to my son, Philip Hamilton just doesn't come back into the play and everything works out all right for him. <laughs> and Hamilton's sad for a little while, but he's not sure why. And then things end before he meets up with Burr. They write letters and then they go home and go to sleep. <sighs> Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it's easy to do that with Hamilton. I've definitely created myself a censored Hamilton playlist for just when, like, it's a great driving music, like, keep you awake, like, rocking out. But I also, there are parts of Hamilton that I just, that are too many emotions for me. Like, I don't really like any of the parts of, like, these two sisters are interchangeable, and I don't care which one I marry. Like, that's not cool for me. (laughs) There's also, like, the sad stuff, and most of the women stuff isn't great in Hamilton. It's emotional. Mm -hmm. Women are problems. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Double clicks love problems. But we love problems, which is why we love women. I could, could not believe you set that up for me. <laughs> there we go. <sighs> but yes, I flash back to, because things with Hamilton, I think the, the stuff that hits you changes. Obviously, mm-hmm. there are some of the really like straightforward, this is incredibly sad, oh my God stuff. Yeah. And then I found that that affected some of the other listings in other parts of the song. Oh, sure. Because they like reuse the uh, look at where we are, look at where we started in yeah. It's Quiet Uptown. And it's so, it's like, ugh, it's like getting shot. It's so powerful. Yeah. And then I heard the earlier lighthearted version of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 I Why? can't hear that no, part stop. either. <gasps> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So do you listen to Dear Theodosia now and just like weep? that you have a child in your care <laughs> i have not brought myself to but the uh, thing is because i was actually thinking about it because i was like i have to announce that i've just had a baby and i have to do it but i, I have to do it in my own way i can't just do the thing where i just like announce yeah. the length of the baby and the weight of the baby and the baby's full five-barreled name yeah and but i'm like i have to put something on this and so i thought i'm like i could go with pride is not the word i'm looking for but mm-hmm. i'm like Mm, no, because it's part of a greater thing. Yeah. And I don't know if I can divorce it. But luckily, I had been watching lots and lots and lots of Yuri on Ice. So (laughs) it was very simple to make the post. And just, hey, kid, there you are, born to make history. Yep, that's it. That's all I needed. Uh, He's too small for a mic drop, but he can kind of pick something up and then forget about it and let it go. (laughs) He's a cute baby. I guess that counts as a baby mic drop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at your Instagram now. She's just a cute baby. And donuts and a dog, but also a cute baby. That's my brand. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good brand. Here's the thing. I've always liked buying clothes. I love buying clothes, but clothes are expensive when you're an adult. Yeah. If you could buy me an entire cool, amazing 
outfit for like between six to ten dollars yeah uh, i would have a lot more clothes so hero has a lot of clothes yeah that he can only use for like four to five weeks and then they are gone forever exactly and it's like none of those clothes are meant to be washed more than a couple of times so <laughs> it's like you know i can go to like there's a couple of big sort of stores near my work and so like on the way to the train station i can just duck in and be like a hoodie with ears on it sold <laughs> <laughs> gotta you, I, a sweatshirt I mean. that says dude yep cool <laughs> a, a little fluffy jacket that has an embroidered rose on it that I'm going to refer to as his bachelor jacket. Oh, <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Why not? Yeah. That's great. You get this and you get this. Like, And speaking of what we just talked about, I bought him a little cardigan because the doctor said he was premature. He needs to keep warm. So, mm-hmm. uh, But they don't make really make cardigans in like a 5-0 tiny baby size. Mm-hmm. So he's like been wearing like two sleep suits and stuff. So I spotted a cardigan that was small enough and I bought it. And it was black with kind of white at the edges and it had two little white bows on the pockets, and it's super cute. Mm-hmm. And so I got it. I'm like, yeah, that's small enough. That'll fit him. And I got to the cash register, and the lady there was like, oh, how old's your baby? And I'm like, oh, he's going to be five weeks this week. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, this is a girl's card again. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny. She might have seen my face change. Yeah. And then she went, oh, but I'm sure it'll be fine. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> There's absolutely no reason that babies need gender clothes at all. None at all. And also, it's black and white. Chill out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, yes. Angela, if people wanted to find your music and your stuff and your podcast and everything else you do on the internet, yeah. where would they go? Thedoubleclicks.com. I mean, we're also the Double Clicks on YouTube and Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. So please check us out because the new album Love Problems is on iTunes and Amazon and Bandcamp and CD Baby and all of those places. And we would love for you to check it out. August 15th, it'll also be on like Spotify and stuff. So please just listen to the music and tell us about it. Hashtag clicks love problems. We would love for you to check it out. I also, I just moved to LA to do more comedy and writing and stuff. So if you want to follow me, I'm Angela M. Weber on Twitter and AngelaMWeber.com and I should be doing some new stuff. I've got a podcast called So What Do We Do, which is about politics, but about also not having a panic attack about it with Storm from Pollen Storm. And that's So What Do We Do, like on Twitter and so what do we do pod.com. And I'm sure I have other stuff, but it's hard to keep track. Excellent. And since you're a new addition to LA, and I've spent a grand total of four days in LA, oh, good. Uh, I can recommend you a good ramen shop. So <laughs> Okay, there you go. Go find Tatsu Ramen. It's not far from UCB. There you go. Awesome. My friends live near UCB. We'll be there tonight. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much, Angela. It's been lovely to have you back, and I look forward to receiving and listening to and probably crying about the album. I hope you cry. I don't need your party. (laughs) I totally get why I wasn't invited. Don't even worry. I don't feel even a little bit slighted. And I guess if I wanted to go to your wedding, I shouldn't have slept with all of your friends. Though I think you'd agree that I was the good guy if you had just seen those relationships end, but that's fine. I don't mind. I'm going to Juno. I'm getting the fucking hell out of this state. I'm moving to Juno. There's no one in Alaska I already hate. In Juno, we'll look at Thank you very much to Angela M. Weber for her time and for letting me use music from the new album on the podcast. Everyone go to Spotify or Bandcamp or iTunes or whatever you like and buy the new album. Buy all their albums. They're great. For Angela's signature cocktail, she had originally given me instructions that said she likes tequila and she likes gin. And last time we made a tequila drink, so now it's time for gin. So in a shaker full of ice, combine one and a half ounces of gin, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, half an ounce of St. Germain elderflower liqueur, and half an ounce of simple syrup. Throw in four slices of cucumber and shake vigorously. Strain into a pre-chilled cocktail glass and garnish with two more cucumber slices. And with its sweetness, its refreshing flavor, and potent alcoholic punch, there's really only one name for it. I present The Sensitive Badass. It's strong, fierce, and honest. Now go start a ruckus. Enjoy. I like comics and spaceships and catses. And I'm barely holding the panic 
begin. I'm afraid of eye contact and taxes. Bartender, please extra gin, extra gin. Bartender, please extra gin. The Math of You is recorded in Leichhardt, New South Wales, Australia, and is written, hosted, and edited by yours truly, Lucas Brown. New episodes are normally released every Wednesday evening, and if you'd like to be a guest on The Math of You, simply send an email to themathofyou at gmail.com and tell us what you'd like to talk about. You can follow the show on Twitter at The Math of You, and you can follow my wacky adventures at Lokified, L-O-K-I-F-I-E-D, on Twitter and Instagram, and Lokified82 on Snapchat. I've heard it from a very famous musician that the Instagram is full of very good baby photos and dogs and donuts, if that's your thing. If you have a few dollars kicking around and would like to directly support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash lokified and pledge as little as a dollar a month. They don't tell you this, but you can also pledge as much as you want. You can drop 50 bucks, you can drop 100 bucks, you can drop 1,000 bucks. I wouldn't stop you if you did. Those who pledge get early access to episodes, physical mail, cursive tweets, and I just really, really appreciate it. If you want to support the show non-monetarily, head on over to iTunes in the country of your choice and leave a five-star rating. It helps people find the show. You can also write a review, and I'll read it out on the show. Won't that be nice? If you like the music I play on the show, and why wouldn't you? This is a great episode for music. You can head on over to bit.ly slash themathofyou, with capitals at the beginning of each word, to find a Spotify playlist with every song I've ever used going back to episode one, including this one. It is, of course, Extra Gin by The Double Clicks. I couldn't go past that intro. Next week, it's the return of Rosie Fletcher. And this time, it's personal. It, it's not. It's just that that was the tagline. It. Join me, won't you? Bartender, please extra gin. I got on the wrong bus and it's moving, but I don't want to admit my mistake. And also, if I sound a little like croaky, it's because I went to a wrestling show on Friday night and I did a lot of yelling because it was really good. Well, there you go. I mean, you wouldn't want to not have done that. Exactly. And I actually even did the thing where I was like, oh, you know, I'm not going to yell too much because I know I have literally six recordings this weekend. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to be like, no, no, I'll just yell. I'll, I'll be polite. I'll do polite yelling. I'll do a lot of clapping. And that yeah. went out the window because the last match was really, really fucking good. So. I always do that on tour. I'm like, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to like scream or yell along with our opener or whatever. And then it, I just lose my voice a couple <laughs> weeks in regardless. So. We can't hold back our enthusiasm. It's not natural. <laughs> please extra gin, extra gin. Bartender, please extra gin. Again! I like comics and spaceships and castles. And I'm barely holding the pen I'm afraid of eye contact and taxes. Bartender, please extra gin, extra gin. Bartender, please, extra gin.